Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we're talking about digital twin technology and how the very creator of it, the aerospace and aviation industry, is a prime target to realize a massive digital transformation through its application to their supply chains. Joining me is the regional manager of North and South Asia for the Aviation and Aerospace Vertical, Kel Chow. Kel, welcome. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Good evening, actually. <laughs> you're, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you from my evening. I'm calling you in your morning. Uh, you're all the way out in Singapore. Uh, how is the weather out over there? Oh, fantastic. It's always uh, hot, humid, and uh, sunny all the time. I don't know how you guys do it. I like uh, my nice, crisp Pacific Northwest air. That's the right climate for me. Um, so today we're talking about uh, digital twin technology uh, and its impact on the aerospace and aviation industry. Um, Cal, could you walk me through your career, your relationship within this space? Uh, what kind of experience do you have and and what has brought to you to where you are now? I came from the dark side of the force, I would call it, <laughs> right, where I used to spend uh, more than uh, 13 years uh, in, in the Air Force, uh, managing 24-7 AOG operations, maintenance plans. And a huge part of that is to ensure that uh, the logistics and supply chain uh, plans are aligned to the, the maintenance plans to deliver the outcomes that we want, right? which is to generate enough uh, aircraft uh, to fly. right? So essentially, uh, my background is in engineering. I spent uh, a good number of years in as an engineer. Wow. So data is really part of uh, my DNA, so to mm -hmm. speak. Uh, being engineers, we are very data-driven, very objective-driven uh, to really drive uh, innovation and continuous improvements, not just in the way we uh, conduct maintenance and engineering on the aircraft, but also in the logistics and supply chain processes, right? because all of them come together to deliver integrated value for the overall outcomes to keep our planes flying. You've seen then, I guess, the, any kind of evolution in, within the industry. You've seen changes and stuff over the last, you know, however many years that you've been involved, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I would say that uh, the technology that goes into designing and engineering the, the aerospace products have been uh, rapidly evolving over the decades. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I think the opportunity in terms of aerospace, logistics, and supply chain is where the, the, there's a lot of uh, white space or I'll call it it's in the digital infancy, right? There's a lot of uh, a space where a, a progressive uh, companies could leverage on digital technology solutions to be able to deliver more value uh, for their operations, for their business. And, and, and obviously today we're talking about digital twin. Um, so could you help me understand, and I know we've talked about this before in, in previous episodes, but what is digital twin technology according to you? And I know that we at Expeditors, we have our own version of it called living model. Uh, but for the sake of the conversation, we'll just call it digital twin here. What is it? And what's like the history of it too? Cause I know it has a relationship, uh, or it has like its roots in aviation. So the digital twin technology is actually not new to the aviation and aerospace world, right? Uh, digital twin has been applied uh, in aerospace, notably in the design and engineering process of all the products, whether it's in the airframe or the propulsion systems, mm -hmm. um, also known as the engines, right? Aircraft right. engines. Well, in the aftermarket or MRO segment, the maintenance and repair overhaul segment, uh, it's also used to do um, kind of conduct the monitoring of the health of the systems on board the aircraft or even the spacecraft, right? So in our context here, the, the, the living model service 
right? The digital twin capability is akin to a diagnostic capability that is not available for progressive uh, customers to be able to measure the performance of their supply chain and diagnose opportunities for continuous improvements and innovation. So is, this is not just a software solution, right. right? It comes with a supply chain engineering resources to support customers with the relevant studies, to dive deep into the data, to help them navigate the journey for continuous improvement and innovation in their supply chain. Yeah, what we envision in the experience upon being set up for you know, a digital twin is that stakeholders in the aerospace supply chains will have a living model of their supply chain that they can measure their performance with respect to the desired outcomes that the business really desire and really look into the data to diagnose the opportunities for continuous improvements. Mm -hmm. You think about it, the experience is akin to watching movies on Netflix, right? You can tune into the channels that you want, the, the relevant movies, the different themes, which meet your tastes and preferences. And it allows you to address very strategic questions that you can um, solve as part of your problem statements in your supply chain. You mentioned MRO earlier, and I guess I'm curious, what are some of the unique characteristics of supply chains in aviation and aerospace? The very interesting uh, relationship in aviation and aerospace is that, uh, you know, in MRO is is often very complex, right? Uh, there's a huge uh, 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 mix, right? I call it, in terms of the range of part numbers, mm -hmm. and this relatively low quantity for every part number, right? So you have a high mix, a low volume kind of supply chain, right? So it becomes very fragmented. And many of these uh, large enterprises actually grew by mergers and acquisitions mm -hmm. over time, over decades, right? And uh, what happens is that your supply chain is growing in silos. So you'll find that uh, the nature of the supply chain tends to be very decentralized because of the way these aerospace companies have grown over the years, over the decades. Uh, and well, it doesn't help that data eventually are sitting in various silos and hence tend to be very fragmented. Right, right, right. right. In a supply chain environment where you're trying to drive costs and performance, it can be very hard to navigate forward when you have a very fragmented siloed supply chain that is also complex. I remember uh, Neil right? Rubb I had on a few episodes ago, he was saying that an airline manufacturer can have up to some 12,000 partners that are that are manufacturing different parts and such. I mean, that, that management is just, that's unreal. <laughs> that's, that's too many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and well, in a way, the, the industry over the decades have been kind of socialized uh, in a certain operating model where it requires a very intensive, uh, a very labor intensive uh, operating environment that we yeah. have been comfortable in the leveraging a lot of human resources, right? And that doesn't help with the pandemic over the last two and a half years, because suddenly you have an opportunity here, right? You are mm -hmm. able to take a pause, reset and say, what can we do better? How can we drive, uh, embrace a digital transformation to do more with less, right? Not so much of uh, with less uh, people, but to generate more value in the in the operational model, in the operating model, right? At the same time, uh, uh, create a better uh, 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 working environment, employee experience, stakeholder experience for the internal stakeholders as well as for the customers as well. 
So all these partners, all these, these all these silos and stuff, this is kind of how the industry has always been made up. Has there ever been an effort to, I guess, mitigate any of this? What problems does it cause and who has tried to do anything about it? Well, it's, it's, it's hard for one person to solve this. It, it's, of course. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 a, it's a transformation, it's a change management, right? Uh, and, and there are, well, there's some studies uh, in, in, let's say, done by McKinsey in the latest data study that they did in 2021, mm-hmm. they found that the supply chain is a single, la- single largest driver of the cost structure of, for most aerospace companies. Yet the, the digital uh, maturity is in its infancy. And of the companies in the study, only up to 12, from 12 to 15% adopt digital on various elements in their supply chain. Despite the fact that it's the single largest cost structure hmm. right so it gives the most uh, opportunity for com- progressive companies to look into that and say what can we do in the supply chain that we can embrace more digitalization to drive the way how we do things and manage our production or the way we conduct maintenance repair overhaul right uh, in our fleets and our components uh, to deliver better value for the customers to deliver better efficiency and productivity Right. And um, to drive greater value in the entire value chain. So then what would you say is unique about the aviation industry that really makes it the, I guess, the right target for a transformation through something like digital twin? Well, I I would say that uh, many of these aerospace companies, uh, well, they, they have embraced an operational excellence framework that kind of requires their stakeholders to even to drive innovation and continuous improvements in their supply chain, mm-hmm. right? With KPIs even allocated for ownership at all levels within the organization. So everyone is kind of working with a, a set of scorecards and KPIs. So the innate uh, desire and need to drive innovation, to improve productivity and efficiency in the way they conduct their day-to-day operations has always been there. Mm-hmm. Right, and if you think about it from a supply chain uh, management and logistics, right? If you're managing a global supply chain, your goal is always about trying to find a single source of truth, a comprehensive picture with a based on objective data sets to measure the performance, so they can drive improvement. If you can't measure, you can't manage. Right. <laughs> right. So in the end, in the end, it's about connecting back to the operational excellence framework that they have mm-hmm. in place, right? The tool gives them a means to achieve those outcomes that they want to achieve, mm-hmm. right? Without a tool, then uh, you are you have decentralized uh, data sets in silos, and it's hard for you to make decisions in a very objective way to trust your data right? and say, what can you do with your supply chain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the simple principle is this. If you can't measure properly, right, then it's very hard to manage properly. Right. And, and something that I imagine, too, is like with so many partners under a, a single manufacturer is that everyone may be reporting differently or there's just different um, approaches to the data. The, the data quality is, is going to vary quite vastly amongst all the partners. Correct. Well, that's a pain point. actually. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> in, in, in the same McKinsey study, right, yeah. they actually yeah. pointed out the same problem. So nearly every company data from spending to the supplier performance to inventory levels were observed to be very disparately organized. 
that is often challenging to trust the data to make decisions. And well, in a way, the study also concluded that it's a byproduct of a sector that has grown through acquisitions over time. Right. So the problem compounds when you're trying to share data across companies or across within the, the larger enterprise, right? When you want to collaborate, you want to find ways to collaborate. How do you leverage on those data to, to, to deliver actionable insights? Um, it's, it's very tough, right? It, and it doesn't help that many of these uh, large uh, enterprises have grown to a large size uh, in a very decentralized manner. Mm-hmm. And each division or entity may even have their own PL. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, well, it doesn't help. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if digital twin is such an appropriate thing for uh, and, and a powerful tool for for manufacturers, what would you say are some things that make it kind of hard to adopt across the industry? Well, I, I would say it's not just for manufacturers; it's also for the uh, the players in the MRO industry, right? right so, sure. uh, yeah. So, correlating to the question, I, I would say that uh, we have a saying in expeditus, right? It's people, process, and technology that uh, synergizes value to our operations and in return it translates to value being created for our customers right so circling back to the question i would say is having the right people with the right skill sets and experience digital skill sets and experience in in the context of logistics and supply chain to drive digital transformation it's not something that uh, it has been embedded in, in the dna of many of these uh, entities in the industry Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very new domain, right? The technology, as concluded in the study by McKinsey, it's very advanced in the R&D, in the design and engineering. But in the logistic and supply chain, that's where they find that's white space. That's it's in, in its real infancy. Yet supply chain, it has the largest cost driver in the overall cost of operations. Right. right? So the biggest challenge is to really have the right people with the right skill sets and experience to drive that digital transformation across uh, various levels in the organization. So then for an organization that is that wants to use the digital twin technology, how hard is it to test, validate, and implement the, um, the directions that they want to take? I'll correlate back to the study that uh, McKinsey has done. Right? They have, uh, I'll quote some statistics here as well. Yeah, please. That 28%, 28% of the companies in the study reported having a vision or strategy for data used that aligned with business ob- objectives. Uh, however, however, the data, while it's very securely kept, is not easy to use because they're in silos. They are sitting in different systems. Right. right? They're not integrated. They're not in the same uh, templates. Or well, they don't even fields. talk to each other. Yeah. So you, it's, well, there's a syndrome of garbage in, garbage out, right? <laughs> happens right so yeah. it's a function of how you key it in and how do you interpret the data mm-hmm. and and only 22 percent of these companies reported having clean structured data wow. stored in a central repository that is ready for analysis wow so i would say the key thing about uh, you know embarking on a digital twin setup for the supply chain whether it's in aerospace or not is about having a very clear, defined data governance strategy, mm-hmm. right? And, and in, in the context of aviation aerospace, where it's highly fragmented, um, that's a starting point. That's a pain point to really start thinking about having a good data governance strategy, 
right? And in the context of uh, our living model service here, uh, that's part of uh, the scope of work that uh, expediters offer to help uh, navigate that uh, conversation about establishing a good data governance strategy as part of uh, setting up for success yeah, absolutely. in Digital Twin. Yeah. And, and, a, and a data governance strategy to me sounds like a big investment. Uh, is Do you see this as a barrier for organizations to want to pursue? Well, I, I would say that um, there's no need to start with a big bang. Okay, sure. Right? Usually you look at uh, the entire supply chain, the global supply chain, and aerospace supply chains tend to be very globalized, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would not recommend to start with a big bang, right? right? Really start with a certain segment of the supply chain, prioritize or define first the, the problem statements that you want to solve, mm-hmm. uh, at least the known problem statements you want to solve, and then you know kind of zoom it down to a certain segment, start on that segment itself, and uh, you know, test it and test, build, measure, learn before you scale up. Right. Right. So you're able to validate uh, uh, addressing those problem statements, and in the process, you may even uncover uh, new potential problems that you're you're totally not aware of. I mean, hey, that'd be huge <laughs> if you can figure that out, even just exactly. from a small sample set. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you get it right at a small sample size before you scale up. I think that's. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a easier way. I'll call it. Uh, it's kind of doing a proof of concept, right? Do right. a POC uh, study, right, with a certain segment of the supply chain with a certain program, and then uh, you validate that it works, right? You 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 have to ensure that it aligns to your process, right? Mm-hmm. So I re- remember, if I recall, that I mentioned it's about people, process, and technology. Right. So it's not just buying a software tool. You need to be able to make sure that people are trained equipped with the necessary skills and expertise to interpret the data, mm-hmm. the sense make the data, to introduce changes to the supply chain, to test it out, to validate, right? And you have to have a process as part of your data governance strategy to collect the data in a very systematic way, right? So it's people process and then the technology tool that comes together and people need to be trained to use the tool, right? Sure, so of course. So in a way, it's, it's a digital transformation project. So hence, it's easier to start small, test it out and make it work at a smaller scale before you scale up to a larger globalized supply chain. What would you say are some cool questions that can be answered with digital twin technology? And I know that there's an aspect of like, we don't know what we don't know, right? So there's going to be a lot of discovery yes. that will happen, right? But what do you see as some kind of interesting things to uh, be discovered? Well, there are a couple of questions. I'll call up some examples. Please. Right? So for example, in MRO supply chains, you could be asking questions like, uh, where should I position my forward stocking locations, considering my vendor footprint? and the customer locations that allow us to best achieve our KPIs, right? Because what's the sweet spot that you want to position your FSL, your forward stocking location? Mm-hmm. Do we need one? Do we need two? Do we need three? And if we need three, where should we position them? You know, the next question could be, what kind of uh, KPIs and service level agreements? Example, again, in the context of MRO, the turnaround time for the repair cycle of the components. What can I sign up for with my customers and my suppliers and repair station that is achievable given the current market conditions? I market really conditions like are, Market yeah. conditions are always evolving. So with a living yeah. model, it allows you to model, to test it out before you execute. 
and you can validate those 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 responses as well, right? But it means that you don't have to worry about over-promising or under-delivering because everything is right-sized exactly. because it's been tested and validated and you kind of have exactly. an idea of what is comfortable and, and the right amount of risk for your company to take. Exactly. So akin to the old adage, be careful what you sign up for, right? <laughs> so you need to know what you're signing for, whether these metrics that you are agreeing with your customers or with your suppliers and vendors, repair stations, is it going to work, right? So if you don't have a tool to measure, to manage, then um, it's kind of risky, right? You think about it. So the technology has evolved to a point when if you're able to get that set up right, you have a diagnostic capability to be able to test, model, validate before you execute, which is what they're doing in aerospace, in R&D and design and engineering environment, because you're always iterating your designs, you're testing how it works in the performance before you go for your production. Right. right. Before you ensure safety. Exactly. So if we are doing that for design, engineering, and R&D, why not we do it for supply chain? The other questions I, I can imagine, what cost savings and performance will we have if we take on more consolidation programs mm. for a specific range of non-time critical parts for repair and production volumes? Well, I'm sure many strategic business leaders are asking those questions. And without a digital twin, it's kind of hard to validate or to make an, a very objective assessment of that question. And in, in the context of uh, sustainability in, in recent times, there is a really big movement going on in the industry, which is carbon emissions reporting. Yeah. Right For scope three emissions, uh, the indirect uh, emissions in the context of transportation and distribution, notably categories four and nine respectively, Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity to amalgamate uh, multiple sources of carbon reports from multiple providers, you know, allowing progressive uh, entities to have that comprehensive tool to manage all their scope three emissions while ensuring compliance to global standards. Example, the Global Logistics Emission Council methodology. So these are some examples of the questions we can address with the living model. Or with a digital tweet. And, and these are huge questions too. I mean, these are almost like on the, like an existential level of like how a company wants to adhere to certain sustainability goals or even just making sure that they're doing business in a, in a way that's comfortable for them. I think that's 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 really cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's not just so sustainability goals. Yeah, yeah, it's not just OPEX managing your operating expenses. Yeah. It's also about how you deliver greater value for your yeah. stakeholders, right? Your customers. Right? How do you ensure that you sign up for something that you can achieve and not overcommitting, mm-hmm. right? So that you can still grow your revenue sustainably without incurring unnecessary costs in your business, right? It's also about uh, ensuring that uh, your employees uh, have a, a healthy, sustainable uh, work-life experience in a new hybrid uh, operating environment. What, what would you say is driving the effort then for digital transformation within aerospace and aviation industries? Well, I'll say that uh, the pandemic over the last two and a half years kind of provided opportunities, right, for very progressive enterprises, especially those with uh, a very strong financial support and uh, financial standing to take a pause, to take a reset, to explore new methodologies to improve productivity and efficiency in the operations, regardless of whether it's in MRO, in maintenance, repair, and overhaul, or in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I mentioned earlier in my responses, um, you know, many of these uh, big boys have their 
respective versions of an operational excellence framework. Now, pre-pandemic is already is already there, and it defines the way they operate, and the employees are measured to those uh, KPIs and uh, scorecards uh, in accordance with those frameworks that they have expounded, mm-hmm. and that is their model to drive productivity and efficiency. Now, I'll call out some push and pull factors. So post-pandemic or in the endemic stage we are in, I think companies are beginning to recognize that uh, it's no longer sustainable to fall back on the pre-pandemic operating model that may be seemingly too labor-intensive in the context of the new operating environment that we're in today. Supply chains have changed and evolved. Employee landscapes have evolved. So there's a strong desire to say, hey, let's, let's contemplate ideas. Let's evaluate options that allow us to re-engineer our new operating models to drive revenue growth while managing the cost of operations and you know, keep, keeping productivity and efficiency high, right? And the workforce happy, which is not an easy thing to do right now because it's not easy to ensure and retain a very skilled and talented workforce, right? right. So these are the push factors. Right? And then there are the pull factors. Right, digital technology solutions are becoming, you know, hygiene factors, right, to keep pace with, you know, the evolving employee landscape, right, in the new competitive environment that embraces hybrid remote work. So there's a need to always contemplate the, the digital employee experience. I mean, this all sounds great. We're talking about a company being able to retain its employees better, um, meet its sustainability goals, redesign its supply chains and manage things in a much more efficient and informed manner. That informed aspect is really cool to think about. Say a organization wants to get started with, uh, you know, implementing a digital twin, you know, creating one and then and then running models off of it. How do they get started? What's step one? I will, I will kind of uh, define it simply as the build, measure, learn, scale model. Mm-hmm. So work with partners, start looking at partners who have uh, the supply chain expertise and experience coupled with the digital technology tools, right? They, these guys can offer boots and ground support that can walk the journey with you. They're not just selling you a software and you figure out on your own, right? right they can walk right. the journey with you to, to drive that, uh, to navigate that digital transformation journey, to get that, to define the data governance strategy well, right? And ensure that you are transitioned and set up and ready to go. The next thing is, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's important not to start with a big bang, Right. Uh, identify a segment of a supply chain to start with before you scale up. Get it right where you encompass, uh, you know, developing the right expertise, whether you train them or you hire or you work with partners, right? Expertise at all levels to define and manage elements of your people, process and technology, right? In relation to this uh, adoption of a new technology solution, mm-hmm. right? And Define problem statements, at least the known problem statements, right? To diagnose and manage and test out that uh, that digital twin or the living model solution. And uh, I will also call out the, it's important to have the capacity to be aware of the unknown unknowns, <laughs> the unknown problems, because once you start measuring, you start to, to, to observe, you, may, you have the opportunity to observe new trends, new insights uh, that allow you to drive more actionable uh, initiatives to, to improve your supply chain. 
the last thing I will call out is it's important to realign back to your organizational business plans, right? Mm. And I'll call out the an example is the operational excellence program. Like I mentioned, most of them have a well-defined operational excellence program. We need to focus on how do you connect this back to your KPIs? How does it help you improve your business and your corporate goals and performance? Well, in the end, we are supporting you to run a business and to deliver a competitive edge mm-hmm. in, in, in your business. What I like you said was have the problem statements figured out, but also <laughs> be prepared to learn a lot. Exactly. That space for that unknown, I think is such an interesting perspective of you're going to have some problems that you are well aware of, and then you're going to implement this technology to seek out those solutions. But this could uncover a lot of other things that could lead to a greater transformation, an organizational transformation, it sounds like. And hence the importance to correlate back to the business and corporate uh, business yeah. plans, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's your North Star right there. Exactly. Yeah. Begin yeah. with the end in mind, so to speak. Uh, Kel, as we wrap this up, I want to know what kind of excites you the most about what digital twin technology can do? Well, uh, I'll wear my engineer hat, engineering hat, sure. in the sense that it allows me to test model experiment uh, scenarios and uh, and solutions before I execute them. So I, I think that is a, a, a huge uh, mindset shift from a trial and error approach in supply mm. chain and logistics. Because if you do not have a digital twin set up properly to do all of that stuff, then essentially what you're doing is you are employing a trial and error approach. In, in the post-pandemic or endemic environment where disruptions will continue to be evolving, I think it's very challenging to be basically employing a trial and error approach. Can a company even afford to make that, that those kinds of experiments, the trial and error? Um, that, that sounds costly more than ever these days. Yeah, well, it's costly. It's uh, not to say that you can't trial and error with the digital twin. You can, sure. but now you're doing it with in a more simulated environment. Right, because mm-hmm. based on data, based on the, the, the data you are set up with, you're able to do all the modeling that you want before you go live. Right, So yeah, it's taking a more calculated, uh, objective-driven approach before you dive deep into deep blue sea, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Kel, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me about this. Uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes, not only with this industry, but also how it can be applied to the everyday person, you know, like what can this do? This sounds like this is like a, the start um, or at least the next step after, you know, being used in an engineering space. So it's exciting to see where, uh, where this kind of thing will go. My pleasure as well, Chris. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.